Okay, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter number 6. We'll take our message from there tonight, Lord willing. Good to see you in church on Sunday night. always think Sunday night's a good occasion to say some things that uh, maybe we would uh, uh, choose another moment if it was Sunday morning. But uh, Sunday night, I think you're resilient enough to... Uh, be able to uh, deal with it. Uh, you know, the problem, I think, in the church is not that we say too much. I think it's that we say too little. And I think there are some times we need to call out some behaviours and uh, just just address some things uh, in a fairly blunt way. Not, not at anybody in particular. I don't believe in that. I don't believe the pulpit should ever be a whipping post for anyone in particular. I've never done that. I don't believe in that. Uh, But I do believe that uh, we ought to speak clearly about some things as uh, as the need arises and help and challenge the Lord's people to be what they should be in Christ. And so I think Sunday night is often a... Uh, a good occasion to to do that, to call some of that out. One of the things that uh, I think I've noticed in the last few years, Suzanne and I were talking this trip back, and as you know, we're about to head back to Thailand, which has its own challenges. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed is what I call the deterioration of Christian conduct over the past few years. Uh, I've noticed that the people of God have become ruder in the way they speak, uh, have become unkind in, in the way that they speak about things. And uh, particularly if they are passionate about something or they have a particular grievance, uh, their conduct is often very, uh, very disturbing and certainly not Christ-like. And, and I think we need to call that out. And I think we need to remind ourselves, no matter what you believe in or how passionate you are about something or how right you might feel about something, if you are a Christian, then conduct yourself so. Uh, Speak courteously when you speak to somebody. And uh, if you're speaking to somebody in authority or a position or really to anybody, you ought to speak respectfully. And uh, you can make your point and you can give your opinion and you can say what you want to say uh, in a kind, uh, courteous, Christ-like way. And I don't know if it's the corruption of social media, uh, but there has been a deterioration in behaviour, certainly in the world. Uh, People are much more vocal, much more, frankly, obnoxious in the way they speak about things, but that ought not to find its way in the church. Uh, Christian people, uh, here's a revelation. Let's start with Revelation 1. Here's a a revelation. Christian people are supposed to be kind to each other. If you can't be kind to someone, you're failing at a very basic level. Not me, brother, I just give them a gob for. See, you're very unchristian. A man who cannot control his spirit the Bible says, is a city with broken down walls. So, so just kindness and just courtesy 
and, uh, and uh, caring about the person we're talking to, no matter how impassioned we may be about something. And it, uh, it saddens me. My wife has commented a number of times about just how uh, it's changed back here, uh, how confrontational people can be over all kinds of things. And uh, not just within the church, I think it's much more outside, uh, but uh, as is the history of the Lord's people, Often what happens outside makes its way inside all too quickly. So let's, uh, let's all remind ourselves that Christians are supposed to speak kindly and uh, politely and uh, with consideration to the person we're talking to. And the Bible even says preferring others above yourself. And uh, these are basic things. If you're going to evaluate your Christianity, it's a, that's a very basic thing. And if you, if you can't even do that, no matter how impassioned you might be about something, uh, that's indicating you have a very poor and low level of Christianity operating in your life. Uh, and I, I, I think from time to time that you just have to address some of that. By the, by the way, in Thailand, I, I will mention these things periodically too, uh, because it isn't, it isn't just here, it's, it can be everywhere. Now, Thai culture is much more polite than Aussie culture, uh, but it has its own problems and different ones. Uh, but I do think these sort of fundamental things that we used to all believe in, need to, we need to revisit that again. And, uh, and I get it. You say, well, people outside are rude, but you don't have to be rude to them. Uh, you're, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be saved. You're supposed to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And uh, that ought to affect your conduct. You ought, to, you ought to be polite, you ought to be kind, you ought to be courteous. And if you can't be that, then uh, be somewhere else. But the church of God is supposed to be that way. We can all have a view and we can all make a point about something, but it's very important, I think, that we do it in a courteous way, one to another. All right, uh, 2 Kings 6, I'm going to point out something here in the life of uh, Elisha. And, uh, you know, you sort of get 40 years along in ministry and you just start to observe some patterns, you just start to see some things. And uh, what I see here is something that can happen to uh, every believer. If you're somebody who is involved in ministering to others, then what happened here to Elisha can happen to you. And one of the things that I think can shake God's people is that when something happens that we were not expecting, uh, Peter tells us to not think it a strange thing, uh, the fiery trials that we may be enduring. And it's kind of like God is just saying, look, brace yourself that this can happen. And, uh, and if it happens to you, uh, then understand, you know, you're not the first and there is a way to deal with it, but there's just something here uh, I see happening in the life of Elisha that I want to point out, uh, and uh, and we'll see just you know how much attention I may or may not be able to give that. Uh, but we want to be on the side of right. We want to be on the Lord's side, and we certainly I don't think any of us ought to want to be an instrument of hindrance to the person trying to do the work of God. Amen. We, 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 we don't want to be on the wrong side of the equation where God's on this side and you're on the other side. And I've watched through the years when people do get on the wrong side of it. 
they're on a certain side and it's not where God is and it's not what God is leading and and uh, you're in a different place and we, I don't want to be that way. I, I want to be on the Lord's side. Uh, I'm conscious, One of the, we had a conference in November last year in Thailand. Uh, a number of the missionaries came. There wasn't, there wasn't that many, mostly Thais, but, but just I got a letter from a couple of the missionaries and they said it was just uh, refreshing uh, and encouraging uh, to see the way that you honoured the missionaries and and treated us so kind and, and uh, were so caring towards us. And I want to be that way because those people are serving God. And I, I want to be someone that when they came via me, they leave a little bit stronger. And I hope, I hope you're like that. I hope you're a person that when you meet somebody who's serving God or trying to live for Christ, that after their conversation with you, they leave feeling a little bit better. After talking to you, they're a little bit encouraged. And uh, if, you, if you practice and be careful about what you say, you can be that kind of person. And so we want to stay on the right side of God. A uh, couple of things here to notice uh, with uh, Elisha. Uh, in um, verse number 8, we see that the king of Syria, and uh, we are okay to categorize here, the king of Syria as being the enemy of God's people. That's not an overstretch, that's what was going on. And this was a particularly turbulent time uh, in, the, uh, in the history of Israel. Uh, the Syrians were really militarily probably stronger and uh, they were beginning to encroach on the land that uh, God had given to Israel and uh, this was uh, the, the period uh, where, the, remember, the young maid girl was carried into captivity and she became the servant of the wife of Naaman. And there was a lot of this going on. And so uh, Elisha is present. And it's always good, by the way, to have a man of God in the midst of a crisis. So it's always good to have a wise head. It's always good to have someone who can discern what God would want us to do in the midst of a crisis. And so the king of Syria is planning to uh, uh, set a, uh, an ambush uh, to create a scenario where he would uh, trap the king of Israel. And uh, uh, he's made plans, and, and we read that, you see in verse number 9. And uh, what would happen is that uh, Elisha would be shown these things by God, uh, God would tell him what was going to happen to the uh, king of Israel and what the Assyrians were planning. And uh, so Elisha, in verse number 9, uh, would send a message. And uh, he would send a message and he would say, uh, be careful uh, when you go out uh, to not go the way of that particular valley because the Syrians have amassed knowing that you're going there and uh, don't go that way because you'll lose your life. And, uh, and he, would, he would warn them. Now, uh, the Bible also tells us, uh, and we should note, that this was not a once-off occasion. Uh, sometimes uh, the hardest thing to believe in is the second miracle. Uh, it's harder to believe in the second time than it is to believe in the first. Because when you have the first miracle, when something miraculous happens the first time, and I've seen a few, uh, when it happens, you're so astounded, you're so overwhelmed, 
with, uh, with uh, uh, you know, blessing. And uh, frankly, you're relieved at what God did. It's almost like you dare not hope that that could happen again. It's almost, it's almost after the first time you have exhausted your faith. And, uh, and that's, that's what happens when you, when you really believe for a big thing, uh, something truly miraculous. And like I said, I've seen a few of those. And you get through that, and then, you know, a year or two later, the, the, the same thing comes up again. And, and I, I find I just want to bypass it. I, I struggle to have a, a renewed faith. And, and I'll even say, Lord, can this even happen twice? You know, can, can, can this even happen again? And, uh, and so uh, it wasn't a once-off, uh, and it was miraculous. We, we do need to understand that. Because it's not possible for somebody to know what somebody else is saying in private quarters a long way away without God revealing that. And so it was, it was miraculous. It says it happened in verse number 10, uh, not once nor twice. So at least, at least three and maybe more times than that. Uh, Elisha has saved the life of the king of Israel on multiple occasions. Now, uh, he does this, and if you're a minister of God, this is something to think about. He, he does this by using the sight that God has given him to help other people. So, so God is allowing the man of God to see some things that others cannot see or to know some things that is not being revealed to others, and and uh, and it's miraculous, and and God is God is able to do that. Uh, I, I think it's uh, uh, concerning uh, when we try to despiritualize the church, uh, when when we forget uh, the, the the nature of the miraculous that can happen in our own church. You say, Brother Shemis, do you still believe in miracles? I do, I do. I do because I think, I think it's biblical. I think God is able. Uh, I do because I've seen a number of them. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't feel that, uh, that God is not able to do that. Uh, I'm not an apostle. I don't live in the apostolic age. Uh, I'm not doing things for signs and wonders. Uh, but God is still able to do the miraculous. Uh, would you amen that? He's able to. And, uh, and we ought to remember who it is that, that is amongst us. The Holy Spirit of God, who is God, is amongst us. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the little working that we may see comes more down to our lack of faith than it does come to any ability of what God can do. Uh, and God often ties his working to our belief in his working. And so, so this, is, this, is, this is miraculous. Now, see also that God did not go to the king of Israel himself. Uh, God, God, God did not tell the king of Israel himself. Now, now think about that, because I'm telling you there's a pattern there in the Bible. Uh, God told the man of God, who then sent a messenger or got word to, the king of Israel. Now, don't you think that God would be equally able to tell the king of Israel if he wanted to, uh, as he told Elisha? 
And so you should ask yourself, well, why, why does God do that? Or why, does, why would God uh, work that way? Well, you'll find a pattern in the Bible that God always works through the authority structures that he himself has set up. So when God has set up an authority structure, when it comes from God, then that's the channel that God typically works through. And so you will often receive things from God through that channel because that's the way he does it. And a lot of your blessings will come that way. That's why the devil wants you to, to, to cut those channels. That's why the devil wants you to not believe anymore in, uh, in the pastor. He, he, he wants you to say, well, he's just another man. And uh, he wants to bring it all down and, uh, and take away from the church the spiritual authority that God has put and, and take away from the church the miraculous nature of how God works. And, and I'm telling you, uh, you can lose what God is trying to give you uh, because you move outside the channels by which God gives blessing. Uh, I still believe that, that God leads a home through its leader and that leader should be the husband. Now, we have a lot of trouble with this in Thailand. I, I'm not sure I'll say more than here, but maybe. We have a lot of trouble with that uh, because Thai culture is, is, does not have that view. And so, so, so very often, uh, girls grow up and mother is the leader in the home. She's the matriarchal leader of the whole family. And so, so girls grow up seeing that and, and that's how they get taught. And suddenly you come along and say, well, the, the Bible says that, you know, the, the, the husband is the head of the wife. It does say that, by the way. It do, do, does say that. says that. Like it says, John three sixteen, it, it, it does say those things. Okay, they're still there. Well, I don't think anyone does that anymore. You, you're probably right, and and look around at the problems we have. Uh, but God works the, through the authority structures that He has set up. Now, those authorities ought to strive to be godly authorities. Uh, I get it. It's very hard to submit to a man who will not submit himself to God. It's very hard to submit to a husband when he won't submit to God. But if the husband will submit to God, it ought not to be that hard to submit to the husband. And so there are just a lot of blessings that will come through the channels that God has given. And don't, don't lose that. Don't lose your way with that. Don't, don't, don't get to a place where you don't understand that. Yes, God could have told the king as easy as he told Elisha, but he doesn't do it that way because there's a prophet there and God will speak via the prophets and, uh, and the prophet uh, will use what God has shown him to, to be a blessing to others. Now, there are many of you in this room tonight who, who, who are involved in ministry in different ways, but, but your ministry at its heart is God gives you something that you give to someone else and you help them. Your, your knowledge, your understanding, your illumination about something, some gifts you have, what you do with your hands, some talent, some ability, 
uh, God has God uses what you have. You become a minister to other people by passing on or transferring or ministering what God first gives you. And 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 if you don't have that part, you don't have anything to give. If you, if you don't have the first part where God gives you that, but many of you here do that, and I'm going to show you what can happen sometimes when you're a person who God is using to help other people, as many of you are in this room tonight. And so, so Elisha would send word to the king of Israel, and, and now uh, when word comes uh, from God, uh, can we should say through the man of God, to somebody, well, what do you do with that? Well, you have essentially two choices. You can listen and save your life or you can not listen and lose your life. You can listen and save your life or you can not listen and you'll lose your life. Now, this was literally, likely, a case of literal life and death here. But may I say, uh, for us, the principle is the same. We can listen to what God has said and we save our lives. You get a life. You get a good life. Nobody can give you the life that God can give you. Jesus can give you a better life than you could ever give yourself. You're not smarter. You're not wiser. You're not more clever. You're, you're not unique. You're not the only one. You haven't got a new revelation Christ can give you a better life than you can give yourself if you will listen to what he's trying to tell you. Nobody ever followed God and got a worse life. Nobody ever lived for Christ and got to the end and said, well, this has just been miserable. I, I, I could have had a, a better way in my own way. Nobody ever does that. No, I've never seen anybody in the third world say that. I've never seen anybody here say that. When you follow Christ and you listen to what Christ said and you step out as Christ directs you, you get a good life. You get a blessed life. Uh, you, you get a life that you know is blessed. And, and it always is better, better, better than anything you can give yourself. Well, there's the husband that you could take and then there's the one that God can give you. There's the family that you might make but then there's the one that God can give you. And I'm saying when you listen to God, it's always better. But he will let you decide whether you listen or not. I remember sitting on that front pew right over there uh, in, the, in the, 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 the height of our ministry here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church when most of the battles had been fought and the victories had been won. And uh, we were enjoying the spoils, the blessings that God was putting upon us. And the harder days were already gone by. And uh, I remember sitting over there and miraculously, and I'm going to say supernaturally, uh, God showed me that he wanted me to go to Thailand. And it happened right over there. And, and, and I saw it in front of me right over there. And now when you get those kind of revelations of God making something clear to you like that, however he makes it clear, it simply comes down to you, do you listen to what God is telling you or do you not? And if you don't listen, you lose your life. 
And you can live to 75 and lose your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Never have the life that God wanted you to have. And you'll be, you'll be sorry about that. And you'll regret that one day. And you would have squandered the best of what God was trying to give you. The life of Christ is a life of submitting to the things that God tells you. And too often we bat away the, the things of God and then wonder why the voice of the Holy Spirit just goes quiet. And, uh, and we just can't find it anymore. But if you listen, and that's the choice that we have when we hear the word of God, uh, in this case it came through the prophet, do you listen or do you not? And literally for this man, it was life and death. I've got to watch now 15 years of ministry in Thailand. I've now got to watch it play out again in another culture. And I've watched over there those who listened and those who did not. And I've watched where their life went and how their homes have gone and how their finances have gone and, uh, and, uh, and the happiness they have or don't have. And I've got to watch that. And there's been the same things that have been revealed that I've seen here and many other places. Those who have listened to God have received a blessed life far better than they ever could have given themselves. And those who did not listen to God, and I'm not saying they're not saved, they obviously listened in that part, but somewhere along the way, they believed that they were smarter than God. And I don't think they'd verbally frame it that way, but... But somewhere along the way, they parted company with the things that God was telling them. And, uh, and by their actions, they demonstrated that they would live life their way. Now, I've got to watch that. Another 15 years of ministry have gone by. And I've seen again, it's played out exactly the same way as I saw it in other places. What you do with what God has told you and is telling you will determine what happens to you. And it's very clear. And whilst there are no Baptist popes, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in any infallibility amongst our leaders. We don't say that. We don't believe that. I do want you to understand that there are those who see some things more than you do. my boyfriend it can be lots of things there are those who see things you not seeing and there are those who know what you don't know and there are those to whom you should listen and there are those if you won't listen you at least ought to weigh their words very heavily and say this this has weight and I'm just saying that, that, that that's, that's not a bondage. That's a provision of God for you. That's, that's God trying to give you the best. And it's hard. It's hard to let go of some things when the Lord says, let it go. Let it go. And when you don't want to let it go, it's hard. It's painful. But it's best. And it'll turn out to be far more blessed if you follow the Lord. And you'll get better than what you thought you had before. But sometimes we, we struggle. Uh, but there are those that God has put amongst us. Uh, when, you, when you come to church, 
listen to what God might be trying to say to you through the preaching of the Word of God. There's nobody who came to church tonight who the plan of God was to say nothing to you. There isn't anyone. His, his capability is big enough uh, to, to, to have something for everybody. And, and it's personal. And so, so they're there and the prophet would warn and then the king would have to decide. Do I listen? Do I not listen? And that's just part of the supernatural working of God. I still believe in the supernatural working of God. And, I, and I've, I've been led of God so many times that way. And I don't apologize for that. And I don't, I don't need to minimize it because it was God. And, and it was clear. I was uh, supernaturally called to the ministry. It was God and it was an unusual event and I'm certain of it. And, uh, and, and the Lord is able to do that. I was supernaturally led to my wife. That's kind of a big thing about how, how your life's going to go. And, uh, and it was just, just supernaturally clear. I was telling someone about that this week as I drove past a house in Brendale where Suzanne used to live when we were, I don't know if we were dating or what we were doing, but, but uh, I guess we were. Uh, but, but, and what God did there and what God showed me there at that place. And I remember that. And by the way, all of these are my little Bethels. I drive around to them all. I drive alone and I slow uh, past that place and say, uh, that's where you spoke to me about this. Uh, I, I, rem I remember the night that God affirmed my call and I remembered where it was. And, and it was years later and I, I, I'd lived in a high-rise building, a high-rise building at uh, Scarborough. When I say high-rise, maybe it was eight, ten floors and uh, right on the waterfront. And I'd rendered her, and I remember God visiting me there that night in that room. And, uh, and one night I was going through doubt, and, and I was driving, and it was two o'clock in the morning or thereabouts. And I was saying, Lord, just show me again one more time. Just, just affirm it to me one more time. And uh, I'm telling you, it was late at night. And, uh, and I said, Lord, I'm going to drive over there. I was here in Albany Creek. I said, I'm going to drive over there. And I said, I'm Lord, I'm going to drive past and I ask you to do something for me. Now, now we're, we're somewhere between two and three. I said, Lord, uh, uh, show me, turn the light on in that room. That, that when I go there, that room will be a light and the one that you spoke to me. And just, just affirm it to me again. I just, I just need that, if you would. And many times I found the Lord willing to condescend to my struggles and weaknesses. And I remember driving over there, praying, praying, and wondering what I was going to do if I got there and the whole building was black like everywhere else. Or even wondering what I'd do if I got there and every light was on. And, uh, and I remember just praying and, and, and saying, Lord, just, just show me. And, uh, and as I was getting closer and closer to the little street, I uh, got over to the peninsula, I could feel my anxiety going up a little bit and fears and... And, uh, and I remember now close to three, I guess, and it was dark, everything was dark. And, uh, and I got to the building and I remember I stopped and I looked up 
And out of the whole building, only one room had its light on. Uh, out of however many rooms, one room, and it was that room. And, uh, and it was that one. And, 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 and I remember just shaking, and it was like the Lord said, okay, are we okay now? And, and he'll do that for you. Sometimes he'll just reaffirm to you something. And, and I'm saying God is able to do those things. And, and the supernatural is part of what we do. We're not a political party. We're not the Lions Club. We're not the Rotary uh, we're, we're, we're not some sales group. We're the church of God, where the living God is in our midst and is able to do things and touch people and speak to people. And, and, and all over I have these little little Bethels. Well, here is where he did this. And here is, and oh yeah, there. That's right, that happened there. And, and I've got them all over. And I'm saying God is able to do that. He's able to do that. And uh, so it, it's not dead. God is able to work the supernatural. I hope you'll rediscover that if you've let it slide. I hope you'll, hope you, you'll find the courage to believe again and to maybe reclaim some things that God said to you. Supernaturally called, uh, uh, supernaturally affirmed about my wife. Uh, absolutely God's choosing and thank God for that. Um, Again, and get supernaturally told where to start a church in Thailand before I ever went there. Before I knew the place. Before I knew anything. And I'll never forget just, just sitting there looking at a map and wasn't even praying, you know, because I didn't think I was going. I was just looking at a map. And, and, you know, any map has a lot of names on there. Thailand has 76 provinces, like little states. And many, many towns all over. And there was that, that map was just covered in all sorts of places that I couldn't pronounce. And here I was looking at it, and it was like suddenly uh, from that map, you know, those little tiny letters, they all became about that big for one place. And I'm not, I'm not joking. It just, and it said, Nakon Sawan. And I didn't even know where it was going. And, and suddenly... I couldn't hear anything else but Nakon Sawan, Nakon Sawan. And I didn't know Nakon Sawan was what. I didn't know. But that was the place. That was the place. And, and, and it was clear. That was the start. And then I got over there and I was in Bangkok. And, and you know, nobody from Nakon Sawan drives taxis in Bangkok. They come from other places. No one. And I'd get in I'd say, the taxi driver, where are you from? And, and he'd go, Nakon Sawan. And by that time, the people who were traveling with me would kept going, they just look at me like, again. And, and it, just, it was just God. And I'm just saying, and did he not bless there? Was, was it not true? Was, was it not where I was meant to go? Was it, was it not what God said? Uh, now, uh, you know, six acres of land, multiple buildings. We're in the middle of two building projects right now building another set of dorms, a, a building with classrooms and offices and, and going on simultaneously now. And I, I tell you, I walk the property and I look and I, I can't believe what he did. And I, I, I can't even understand how he did it. And I, and I look at the people and, and as they worship and gather and, 
as people get saved. And I don't know how it happened. And it was just sort of supernatural. And people say, you know, explain to us. I can't explain it much more than what I just did. But the takeaway here is that he can do that for you too. The takeaway here is you can get a leading from God. You can get a miraculous visitation. You can get a touch. You can, you can have something revealed. It still happens. God still does it. He does it, he does it in our church in Thailand. Uh, we, we had a young man over there who was in a terrible accident. The, the attrition rate on Thai roads is just uh, beyond what you could imagine. Just the, the daily deaths. It's so dangerous. And one of the young men in our church was on a motorcycle and was just smashed up so bad and, and run over and just, we were all certain he was going to die. And uh, he got taken to the hospital and uh, he, uh, he was bandaged up. And, and I mean, you just, 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 and you could see all the, the blood seeping through. He just was wrecked. And, you know, the doctors were like, well, let's just give it a while, see if he lives or not before we put too much into this. And uh, about three or four of our men went up there. People I've led to Christ. People I won to Christ. People that I taught what I'm teaching you tonight. He's able. He can do it. Uh, He's here. Uh, uh, There's nothing too hard for God. And uh, and they went there to pray. And uh, one of those men just, just put his hands on that other man's broken body and and just, I mean, we didn't think he'd live. And, uh, and prayed. And the whole church was praying. And I, we could not believe it. He walked back into church the next Sunday. And we couldn't believe he wasn't dead. And people were looking at him and, and, uh, and just, just shocked. And everybody kept saying, what happened? And he said, uh, God, heal me. And they were like, how he heal you? I don't know. But I'm okay. They had some scars in it, but it was fine. And, uh, and our, our people said, who, who, who prayed for him? Everybody wanted to know. Who, who prayed for him? Who, first they said, who went up there? And it was uh, these four. And then they said, who prayed? Who prayed? And three said, it was him. And he kind of just went, you know. I mean, he didn't look like a, a Moses with a stick that was going. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't look like anything like that. But clearly, God saw something. There was something there, a touch, a gift, uh, faith, something. And, and I'm just telling you this because you ought not to go through life uh, believing that this does not happen. And you've got to start to believe it for here. And, and believe what God can do for you. And believe what God can do for the church. Look, it thrilled my soul to come to the church this morning and, and struggle to know where to park. It was just vehicles everywhere. It was like, a, you know, almost like a conference day. And praise God. Uh, but listen, he could double our number. He, he could do that. People could start getting saved. You say, I think Jesus is going to come back soon. I do too. But that won't stop him saving another 500 before he comes. Don't, don't worry. You, you won't interfere with the plan of God. I'm saying 
refined it, refined it. There are people in this church, God did miracles in your life. There are people here who had behaviours that you thought were impossible to change. There are people here struggling with things that you would be so embarrassed if anyone ever knew. And God has done some things in your life to show himself strong on your behalf. And he's still able to do that. He's still able to do that. And he, and he hasn't gone home yet and the Holy Spirit hasn't been taken away. He's present in the church and he's looking for people who believe him and believe what he can do. And so this was the ministry of Elisha. And you say, well, praise God, he, he saved the life of that man It said more than two times. Yeah, but I'll show you one thing and we're finished. So this is you, right? God uses you to help other people. And you sacrificed to help them. And you did help them. And if, and if not for you, they would not have been where they are now. God used you. And, uh, and when God uses you, 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 you're glad for that. But let me tell you what happens that can just shake you if you're not ready for it. So, so if you look in the same chapter, chapter number 6, look in verse 31 to 33 because we just got a little bit further on here and there was a lull there was a lull of attention from Syria for a while Israel was safe and then it all started up again and uh, they all got surrounded and notice what the king says under pressure he says in verse 31 then he said God did so and the more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. Oh, well, that's a nice thank you. Uh, but Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Uh, Elijah again knew uh, without being told. Uh, look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And the king's on his way. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And here's what's happening is somebody who has been helped by God has now turned against the person who helped them because of a very frustrating and difficult time and, shall I say, a disappointment going on in their own life and now turns against the person who God has used to help them in the past and begins to blame them for what God did. Are you hearing me? So, the, so, so now the person who's doing the ministry is copying it from two sides. Listen carefully because this is you. One side you have Satan, the enemy, trying to ruin you because God is using you to help other people. And he knows. Elisha commanded no army. The, uh, the king of Syria had never even met Elisha. Uh, Elisha was not in politics. Elisha was not a part of the royal family. 
but rightfully the enemy identified this man is helping the people of God and we need to get rid of him because he's helping them. And so sometimes when God uses you to help others and when you have great capacity to do that, the enemy comes against you in a very forceful way. Now that part is not nice, but you may not, you may not be surprised. But what does become difficult is when the people you have helped turn against you also. And that becomes hard. People, people that you have cared about. People that maybe God used you to save their life. And it can come from both sides. And that's, that's, when, it becomes, that's when it becomes very difficult. And may I say, maybe it's reasons like that that explains why we have so few people in the ministry because the weight becomes too much. You get it from this side, but I'm also getting it from this side. Do you, do you know that, that in Australian independent Baptist churches, uh, we, have never, we have never had the shortage of pastors that we have presently? Uh, did, you, did you know that the pastor of the church at Canberra has gone and they have no pastor? Did you know that there are churches in Sydney that have no pastor? Uh, do, do, do you understand there are places all over the country and they're crying out for pastors and, and nobody wants to do it? And sometimes the children of those who are in ministry don't want to do it either. And you know the single most repetitive reason that kids give whose parents were in the ministry for not wanting to go in the ministry? What do you think it is? The single most repetitive reason you will hear kids say is, I saw how my mum and dad were treated. I saw how my mum and dad were treated. And I don't want that. And, and it's hard. It's hard when, when, when you're getting it from both sides. You know, the Lord has probably used you more than you realise he has. The, the Lord has probably used you. You've probably helped more people than you realise you have. And it's not surprising when you get a sale. And sometimes you get in that awful place where it comes from both sides. And it's particularly painful when it comes from your team. And, and you think, I loved you. And, I, and I've helped you. And we've cried together. And, and you've turned me into an enemy for something I did not do. You, you, you blame me for, for what God has done. Now, now, if Elisha had been Elijah, you might have blamed him. Remember, Elijah, Elijah said, except for my word for three and a half years, it's not going to rain until I say so. But that wasn't Elisha. Elisha was suffering over the same thing that the king of Israel was suffering over. Elisha was going through the same thing. And sometimes it's the people who are sharing your suffering and sharing your anguish and are going through their own difficulties with what's going on and you assail them unfairly. And this is the awful place sometimes that somebody who lives for God gets caught in the middle of. 
So, so what, what, what do you do? Well, Elisha survived this because he had a walk with God. I want to conclude by going back to the end of uh, uh, verse number, uh, chapter 6, verse number 15, when the king of Syria has sent the, the great host to encompass Elisha. Now, understand what the intent of the enemy is here. Elisha is in the place where God wants him to be. The enemy wants to remove him from that place. Okay, there it is in a really simple form. He is in the place where God is using him or is going to. But the enemy wants to remove him from that place. So the, so the king of Syria says, go get him and fetch him and bring him here. Well, no, because God is not going to have the prophet in Syria because he's not meant to be there. But there's an attempt to move him from his place. Now, this is not always geographical. It can be. Uh, I happen to know a church right now in America. I was talking to someone this week uh, who has lost, since the COVID period started, 1,000 members. Now, you might say, oh, 1,000, they must have had. Well, well, you know, they had a few, but I'm telling you 1,000 represents 30% of, of the congregation. And it's a big hit. And, and uh, it, it, sometimes it's geographical. Uh, I would not move anywhere without God affirming to me I was meant to go. I certainly wouldn't be going on a passion. I certainly wouldn't be going because I was just fed up with someone. I certainly wouldn't be going because I just wanted to get away from something. Okay. I, I, would, I would certainly want God's peace that this is okay. okay. Because God always has a place for you. Okay. If, if the devil can keep you or the enemy can keep you from the place where God wants you, then he has the ability to frustrate what God is trying to do in you and therefore limit your ability to minister to others. Being in the right place is very important. And so, so, so that's why when I was sitting over there in the front pew and God said, go to Thailand, if that became the right place, then that's where I have to be. And, and the right place is always a blessed place. But sometimes it's not geographical, it's mental. Are you listening? So what the enemy wants you to do is to go, get you to a different place mentally. So there's the place where God wants your mind to be and then there's the place where your enemy wants to get your mind. And those are different locations. Are you understanding this? To, to get your mind off what God wants it to be on and have you somewhere else. Because once again, once you're in a different place, then you're not in God's place and, and you can be held back from doing what God wants you to do. So you've got to be very careful when you get assailed that you don't get pushed to a place that you're not meant to be at. I was meditating on a thought, oh, I won't get it. I'll save it. But you've got to guard against that. So, so here's the conclusion. The enemy has come. What's the goal? To get him to a different place, to take him off to Syria. And uh, God ensures that that does not happen there's two people present here. There's the servant 
uh, in verse 15 of the man of God who goes out and the servant sees the great host. And, and I'm, let's not, that'd be pretty terrifying. I don't know what it'd be like. It might be like you calling up and saying, I, I got a problem, I looked out my window, there's 50 Hamas terrorists standing outside my door and they're all wanting to get seven wives by taking me out. What do I do? I mean, I'm in a terrifying situation. I'm just saying that this is not a story. This is real stuff. And this is, this is terrifying. And so the servant goes out and sees that and is terrified. And fear is often the forerunner to bad decisions. Fear is often the preparation ground for a bad decision. And God, God never leads through fear, but through faith. And so the, they go out, they see the great host, I'm about to be done. And uh, he says in the end of verse 15, uh, Alas, Master, how shall we do? Which is, what shall we do? What, what shall we do? What do you do when the enemy seems to have compassed you about? And Elijah says to him, Fear not. You have to dispel fear. And here it is. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. All right, so let me personalize this. I think the Lord will be okay. They that be with you are more than they that be against you. Many, many more are with you. Now, the only difference is this. If you look at it at this plane, the visuals don't look good. So if you stay on the level of sight, the visuals may not look good. So what you have to do is you have to look up to the mountain and what you'll see is that, is that who is with you is of a far, far greater number than those who are against you. See, loneliness and isolation and telling you only you, only you, and making you hide in your secret world, that's a way to de- uh, incapacitate you. That'll hold you in bondage, it'll hold you trapped. You live in a mental dungeon, afraid to come up. And you, you, you tell yourself that. What you've got to do is, is, is pray for eyes of faith that you can see that those that are with us are many, many more than those that be against us. Encourage one another sometimes by saying, I'm with you. I'm beside you. We'll, we're in this together. We'll see it through. I, I thank God for the people who are in this church who were, still, who were here when I came and who are still here. Because there's something special about going through a journey for that long. There's something special about, about 25 years of history of enduring things and going through hard things and and going through but still being here and looking around and just seeing each other and and hey we're still here we're still here um, I was having an argument with my wife yesterday about how old Mrs. Blake was I said I'm saying mid 50s she said no no it's life. she's got to be older than that but I'm grateful for the people who've just stayed and kept going Listen, God wants to use you. The power of God is still available. You're not outnumbered. 
You say, I've been assailed here. I've been assailed here. I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like when you don't want to go to church because you just don't want to see anyone. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like when you just say, just be easier to stay home. I know what it feels like. But for the Lord's sake, this is happening because God is using you. He's using you. And there are many, many for you if you'll just open up the eyes of faith than those who be against you. Let's bow for a word of prayer. want to be done tonight. Now, we've said many things tonight, and I don't know what was your, your word from the Lord in all of this, but I do pray there might have been something. And I pray that maybe if the Lord has uh, spoken to you, that you might take a little bit of time to pray and just uh, take some time to speak to the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand. Some folks are making their way to the altar already. If you'd like to come pray at the altar tonight, why don't you come and do that? And just uh, whatever it is, whatever was, whatever was your part in that, whatever you felt God said to you, look, it's okay to say, Lord, show me again. Show me again. Uh, uh, revive me, God. Revive my heart. Help me. It's okay to pray about your mental space and say, God, please help me to just be where I need to be with all that. Uh, whatever it is, uh, different things perhaps for different people. But go ahead, take the time to pray. And, you know, tonight might be a, a, a night you remember being at the altar. Tonight might be a time where you'll come back one day and say, I, I, I knelt in that place there and this happened. Uh, I have some of those uh, Bethels in my life. Uh, whatever it is, whatever the Lord has spoken to you. And even if you're just... Uh, standing there in your pew. I hope you're praying. Uh, I'm thankful for those of you that God has used and you've helped many people. And I want you to know the Lord has not overlooked anything you've done and the burdens you've carried and when you've been misunderstood. And your reward will come. Your reward will come. The Lord has not forgotten. Let's just take some time to pray. John, if you come. And for those who are standing, lead us in the hymn and uh, we'll uh, dismiss this one.